0: Well, it is good to be in the house of the Lord, Brother Russell and I were talking this morning about how good it was, and I recalled Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration. It's good to be here, Lord. Let us build three tabernacles. I believe that was uh, the first official sermon I ever preached was on that subject or, or using that, uh, that as a text. But God intervened, didn't He? said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. As much as we love one another as much as we enjoy one another's fellowship, it is still Christ who is the one who holds the preeminence appointed of that of God himself, the Father. But we are glad to be here, Dorothy and myself, uh, yesterday morning, early it seemed like maybe a something was going to happen that would would prevent us from being here uh, she was really feeling pretty bad but uh the lord again intervened and uh here we are so uh thank god for it it's good uh, also to be back yes uh in the uh old routine so to speak and uh JT and I have been uh, brothers in the faith for quite a while. I call him my two time brother, my brother twice over uh, in the flesh first, but uh, in the spirit. Uh, also, the Bible says that a brother is born for adversity, and uh, JT has been very good to me over the years. In all of my adversity, uh, he has been right there, and I've been uh, greatly blessed to have a brother like him and a sister-in-law like his dear wife. So uh, it is good to be here today, and it's good to see once again for a little while Brother Jerry Samford and his dear wife, Sister Linda Uh, The one we're missing today is uh, Sister Joyce Minter, Uh, again, one that we greatly love and have uh, been blessed in for quite a number of years. So our youngest son, uh, Joel, and his family, of course, are not here, and so we, we miss them today also. But it's good to be here, and uh, I appreciate, again, every opportunity that God gives me to preach His holy, blessed, pure Word. What a privilege, Brother Russell, to have been called of God to preach His Word. We trust that God gives us always the message that He would have. As you said before, it doesn't really matter from the first of Genesis to the last of Revelation. It's all His Word. And it's all been given for our instruction, for correction, that we might be made the people of God sanctified, right? Right. Sanctified to the praise, honor, and glory of God which He purposed in us through Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. And choosing a passage of Scripture to begin and... uh, J.T. and I and Betty will remember old brother George Vaughn who would always start out by saying if we would choose a text and that's the way it is. Uh, You choose a text and you preach the Bible and that's what we'll try to do this morning. I wrestled with ever since uh, Russell asked me to do this again I wrestled about well what shall I preach. And there's two messages that uh, uh, wrestle one another. And uh, I trust that uh, finally this morning maybe God has given me some uh, assurance of what I should preach uh, simply because of what I've heard this morning. Uh, It'll settle in my mind. We're going to preach about salvation And what salvation is. And salvation is rest. That's my very, very brief definition of salvation. It's rest. Nothing else in this world is rest. It's turmoil. The wicked are like the troubled sea, casting up its mire... Up on the shores, He's, so in the world there is no peace, except in Christ Jesus, except in the Lord. And this um, season that we uh, uh, we we sometimes uh, hear it said, uh, "Peace on earth, peace on earth." But there is no peace on earth. What it really reads is, on the earth, peace. Referring to, again, the Lord Jesus Himself. That's peace. To know Him, or for Him to know you. But we're going to begin reading in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4 and we'll just begin with verse 1 and read down through verse 11. It says, Let us therefore fear, lest be a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, It being mixed, it not being mixed uh, with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief, again he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today." after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus, or Joshua, had given them rest, then would he not act? Would have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has seized from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. Lest any man shall fall after the same example of unbelief. You will notice how many times the word rest is mentioned in these few verses of scripture. Salvation of the Lord is rest. Now. Uh, it's not works. It's not working. It's not works and it's not working. We do work in the kingdom of God. In fact, it was ordained also from before the foundation of the world that we should do good works, according to uh, Ephesians 2 8 and 10 through 10. We're ordained unto good works, but salvation is not gained by works or working. Your day-to-day sanctification, as J.T. has just uh, talked about, is not gained by working. You do not get up in the morning and try to do everything that you can to satisfy and please God. Rather, it's God that works in you all of the time, day and night, it doesn't matter. All the time, God is working in you to sanctify you and bring you into this place of rest. And by the way, it is in righteousness that you can rest. Uh, Brother Russell tells me that you're in the 14th chapter of Romans... And, of course, in verse 17 there, uh, the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, is it? But it's in what? Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. They should be able to get that because they've heard it about four or (laughs) five times. Well, I I love it. I I absolutely love that verse of Scripture uh, and many others that, that go with it. So... Uh, Let us think about this for just a few moments then, if you will. If we are in the flesh and blood, and that's what we are, we're flesh and blood. Uh, Psalm chapter 89, for instance, in verse 47, and we'll be turning to several scriptures, so... uh, Get your fingers ready there. Here's what he says. Remember how short my time is, wherefore hast thou made all men in vain. Flesh and blood is vain. But that's what we are. We are born in As flesh and blood. Uh, Another place is we're told that we are dust. Uh, In uh, the the first, the third chapter of Genesis, what are we told? For unto dust thou art, and unto dust you shall return. So that's what we are, flesh and blood. Now, flesh and blood then can do what? What are you going to do, Brother Jerry? not much not very much no it certainly can't it in fact it can't do anything can it john chapter 15 the lord jesus tells us directly what this is all about john chapter 15 verse 4 he says abide in me and i in you As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, in the vine rather. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. You can do nothing. Another place he specifically says that, doesn't he? But you notice what he says: except ye abide in me. Now, of course, how was the world? Formed. How was it come into being? By the power of God, right? He is the creator of all things. And so it is with us. How did he form us? He formed us out of dust, right? Out of the dirt. And then he breathed into us the breath of life. Where did that come from? Again, it come from God. What are you Without God. In fact the Apostle Paul says that too doesn't he? He says that, that in him. We live and move and have our being. What can you do? What can flesh and blood do? Nothing. So if we are finite. And we are finite. Again, going back to the third chapter of Genesis, as in in verse 19, and we'll not go over there because we just referred to it. But in Job chapter 34 and verse 15, Job chapter 34 and verse 15, Elihu here is speaking. And he says, all flesh shall perish together, and man shall turn again unto dust. What can you do? By taking thought. Can you turn one hair white or black? Can you add one cubit to your statue? No. No. Can't do that either. So, if we are finite, and we are, in other words, if we are what we are, where is our rest? Is it in us? It's not in me as an individual, neither is it in us as a body. Now, we can encourage one another... We can preach to one another. We can pray for one another. But ultimately, it is God, isn't it? Now, of course, this is assuming that we first understand that sin is death. All that sin are are going to die. And how many people die? Yes, it's appointed under man once to die, but after this, the judgment. And we do need to understand, though, that man has been sinful from the very beginning. He has actually been a sinner in the sense that that's all that his nature would allow him to do from the very time he was created. That's the reason he he sinned, first of all, is because that the law, because it is weak in the flesh, according to Romans chapter 8 and verse 3, the law can do nothing in that it is weak through the flesh. That's why that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden is because they were flesh and blood and flesh and blood cannot inherit, J.T., the kingdom of God, right? So, flesh and blood, how helpless it is, how hopeless it is. But this message this morning, I hope, is for those of us mainly who are God's elect, chosen people, born of the Spirit of God And consequently, we are more than flesh and blood. We are the very Spirit of God. So, but what is this then? What about God? What can we say about God? If God is Almighty, and God is Almighty, isn't He not? Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8 Confirms this to us. Jesus says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come. And what's the next two words? The Almighty God is the Almighty now again we could we could uh, turn to a multitude of scriptures to, to, to uh, verify these things but how many scriptures does it take for us to believe God really just takes one doesn't it now sometimes we turn to many d- different scriptures and that's fine because all it does, it just enhances the truth and it blesses our hearts more and more. Every time you, you, as a child of God, read the Scriptures verse after verse, it means more and more to you. But God is almighty. God is also sovereign, right? Isaiah. Brother Russell was talking about J.T. referring to Isaiah so much, but uh, we've done that over the years, haven't we? Uh, Isaiah is a uh, is also known as the, the gospel of the Old Testament, and it does. It preaches the gospel so much. But Isaiah 46, in verse 10, we read these words, "...declaring the end from the beginning..." And from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. God is sovereign in all things. Now, once again, many other scriptures that say this same thing. The 135th chapter of the psalmist, the psalmist declares that, doesn't he? Our God is in the heavens, and he doeth whatsoever he pleaseth. Where? Everywhere, right? In the heights above, in the depths below, God does as He pleases. Nebuchadnezzar found this out, didn't he? Who is God? Who can say unto Him, What doest thou? Or stay His hand? He is sovereign in all things. God also then is eternal. In Psalm chapter 90, in verse 2, the psalmist declares this of God. Yes, I better get to 90 instead of 92. This before the mountains were brought forth. Or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. That's a long time, Brother Jerry. <laughs> a long time. When did everlasting begin? Huh? No. No, it's just been everlasting, in not and it, how long will it last? Well, again, it has no end because it never had a beginning, right? So God is all of these things. But this is what I'm trying to get across again, and I hope you understand this, is this is the one that we not only depend upon, but it is the one that we can depend upon. You can rest in God. Those that believe in God rest in God. Now I know sometimes we can get a little fretful, you know. Things don't go quite our way, Brother Lee. Have you ever had that happen to you? you? Yeah, things just don't quite go our way. And sometimes we wonder, don't we? But ultimately, we come back to this rest, and that's that's essentially what our text meant when it says, "Labor therefore to enter into that rest." Day by day, as we go through this life, it is constantly in our minds, upon our hearts. It's. The Spirit of God working in us to bring us to rest. No matter what, it, what the circumstances. You understand that it doesn't depend upon circumstances. It depends upon the, the, the faithfulness of God, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. God also predestinates all things. In Romans chapter 8. What a what a chapter uh, in the Bible is Romans chapter 8, right? Verse 28 and we know Brother Russell we talked about that we know th- thing yesterday, didn't we? We And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose, for whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to a certain purpose, right? To be conformed To the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God has predestinated then all things for the purpose of his church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, a bride that is given to him. That one day there's going to be a glorious, glorious wedding in there. And all of God's people, every elect of God, is going to be there and participate in that wedding. But God is then the predestinator of all things from the foundation of the world. What does all of this mean? Now again, you can read this in Ephesians chapter one, verses uh, four, verse four there, and others along with it. Second Timothy one and nine, First Peter one twenty. You can read about this this being from the foundation of the world. But what does this mean for you and for me? It simply means that it's all been settled in the mind of God, in the heart of God, in the purpose of God, it's all been settled from before he ever created this world. In fact, Brother Bruce, we've talked about this so many times, haven't we? It has been forever, as long as God has been, and as long as God will be, all of this has been settled as far as, where our salvation is concerned. And if God is, as we have just discussed to some slight degree, if God is all of these things, if He's almighty, if God is sovereign in all things, if God is eternal, if God is... Able to predestinate all these things and speak them into existence. And by the way, that's how you were birthed. If you were birthed into Christ, He, he spoke it into your heart. But if He has knew these things, and here is the good news: He can, He does, and He will. I will never leave thee nor forsake, forsake thee. And you know, we're, again, we read over in Revelation 1 and verse 8, and at it, other places we read the same thing. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. What does that mean? Both the beginning and the ending. He who hath begun a good work in you, how long he's going to perform it? Yeah, to the day of Jesus Christ. This is what we're, we rejoice in then. This is our rest. Salvation is of the Lord. Do you believe that this morning? Well, what about all of the the, the trouble that's in the world today? What about all the the unrest? You do understand that, that Jesus said in Places like Matthew 24. You shall, there shall be what? Wars. And rumors of wars. There's going to be what? Earthquakes in diverse places. There's going to be pestilences. And all of these things are going to go on. But you know what Jesus said? And again, you know, in my earlier years... I heard all of these as signs that the world is just about ready to to end. But Jesus said, but the end is not yet. In the world, what are you going to have? Tribulation. But what's the rest of it? Yeah, be of good cheer. Sounds kind of like rest to me, Brother Russell. Be of good cheer. Why? For I have overcome the world. That's the God that I believe in. And that's the God of my salvation. And if I had to depend upon my own faith, and and again, uh, J.T. uh, uh, alluded to this earlier when he says it's the faith of Jesus Christ. He didn't emphasize that word of there, but he said it, the faith of Jesus Christ. And that's what it is. It is the faith of Jesus Christ. It's not my faith until he gives it to me. It's all of Him. You see, all things are of Him and through Him and to Him. To whom be glory for how long? Forever, brother Jerry. Forever. And then that word, Amen. So, where does all this leave us? Is salvation of works then? Or is it of grace? Romans chapter 11, in verse 6, And if by grace, then is it no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace, right? But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more grace work now y'all know that verse of scripture you've heard it before haven't you and you'll probably hear it again if you live very much longer but it's so simple isn't it you can't mix works and grace because what you are able to work is so imperfect It is so lacking, it's so deficient, and you know it. I believe that every person understands and knows that somehow their works is not enough. It can't satisfy the holiness of God. Again, in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 2, here's the promise, what I call the promise of God not a command of God. It's a promise of God. But there God says to the people of Israel, Ye shall be holy. Why? For I, the Lord thy God, am holy. We are going to be like Him, but we're already like Him as far as the spirit, as far as the soul is concerned. We're already like Him. Peter says we are partakers of the divine nature. In fact, John says that we who are of God cannot sin. Now, I know people struggle with that, and they struggle with that, and struggle with that. And and if you say anything about it, you know you're going to be called a, 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 a sinless perfectionist. But yes, before John said that, he said, if you say you have no sin, what? Well, you're a liar. But he's talking about that that fleshly sin. There's not two contradiction. There's not a contradiction here when he says you have sin and then you don't have sin. Because he's talking about two different things. He's talking about the same thing that the apostle Paul speaks of in the 7th chapter of Romans. The apostle said concerning, again, the flesh. What did he say? Yeah. In, I know. I know that within my flesh dwelleth no good things. But nevertheless, he also said that after the inward man, he seeks after God. God. Seeks after God. No, the outward man perishes, doesn't it? The body, the apostle said, is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of what? Righteousness. Righteousness. And don't forget that again it's because that yes justification is a complete absolute work of God but nevertheless that justification brings on that just I meant that just yeah justification brings forth that Sanctification. If you don't believe that, in Romans chapter 5, we have a clear understanding of this. Beginning verse 1, and this is one of JT's favorite verses. Therefore, being justified by faith, what do we have? Yeah. We have peace. With God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now again, where there's peace, there's rest, isn't there? Where there's rest, there's peace. But then he drops on down down in verse uh, uh, nine, uh, much more than being now justified by His blood. What will happen? We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, or we could use the word justified there, we shall be saved by his life. There is this salvation of sanctification or for sanctification. So salvation is not of works, but it is of grace. You know, it's sometimes we think of Israel and the way that, you know, how mightily God worked among those people, and yet how few of them actually believed and were saved. Just a remnant of them. Why? Well, because they did not believe God, did they? They did not rest. They did not rest in God. We do not want to be like those Israelites. We want to rest in God. Back in again in Isaiah chapter 28, Verse 9, he says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? And then he answers it, Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, to whom he said, I'm a verse. drop down to verse 12. To whom he said, this is the rest. Wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. Come unto me. Right? All ye that are weary and are heavy laden. And what will you do? Give you rest. Give you rest. Salvation is, is rest. Where there is no rest, there is no salvation. But where salvation is, there is rest. There is peace. God has brought us out of that sin, death, and given us life in Jesus Christ. How many of you think that Jesus was was, uh, agitated uh, when he was walking this earth? Was he was he in a state of agitation, never yeah, you remember those remember those there crossing there and 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 the waves were about to the at least the disciples thought it was about to 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 drown that ship in the in the depth of that sea, and where was Jesus, and what was he doing he, he laying there asleep, why was that, brother Jerry? He was resting. To whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, and then what's the rest of it? Yet they would not hear. Can you hear this morning? I'm telling you, Are, are you hearing this morning? God is rest. He's the Almighty. He's sovereign. He is the ruler. He is the creator. What else can we say about Him? He's all things to us that believe. Well, Isaiah chapter 30. We'll just stay there while we're here. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 15, For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest shall ye be saved. Okay? In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. But then look at those sad words again. And ye would not. Will you this morning... Well, I guess maybe it's not... Well, I guess it is still a few minutes of morning yet. But will you this morning rest in Him? Would, would you, what would you rather do? Would you rather rest in God... Or wrestle with yourself. Just rest in God, Brother Jerry. There's so much joy in it, there's so much peace, there's so much quietness, there's so much confidence in God. But you know, the Apostle said, We have no confidence in what? In the flesh. I have absolutely no confidence in the flesh because I know what it was before God saved me, and I know what it is still after He saved me, and I know that I wrestle with it. And yet I rest in God. He is my peace, and the only peace that I have. So who who will we rest in, in ourselves or in God? Who is, Russell, I, 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 Teresa, I saw a big thing on your wall up there with some words on it about everlasting mercy. Again, we've already read Psalm chapter 90 in verse 2. And that's what it says, isn't it? It's, it's everlasting, everlasting mercy. In the 100th Psalm, we see the same words then. Isn't it wonderful? Psalm verse 5, For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting And his truth endureth to all generations. And of course we know in Lamentations chapter 3, Jeremiah's confidence is in that the mercies of God are new how often? Every Every morning. Every morning. You know what you said, J.T., you get up every morning praising praising god what a blessing faithfulness is to all generations the 119th psalm in verse 90 thy faithfulness he declares is unto all Generations, thou hast established the earth and it abideth. His faithfulness is to all generations. Psalm 92. But you see, it's that faithfulness that we rely upon in God. We never rely upon our own faithfulness because it fails. Psalm 92, in verse 9, For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish, all the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But but my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Um, this is a, a, a declaration of God's faithfulness to us, and how often is it? All the time. It's for. It is for ever. Psalm eighty nine. In verse 33, Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Now, who is he speaking to directly here? the Lord Jesus. You see, that's why God's faithfulness cannot and will not fail. It's not because of me, not because of you, but it's because of that covenant that He made with His Son. And His Son fulfilled that covenant. As He says in the Gospel of John, Father, I have... Glorified thy name on earth, glorify thy Son. And God has glorified his Son, first by raising him from the dead, and then by setting him upon his right hand on the throne of heaven forever. Now, I'll just throw this in for your charge. I've been thinking about it a lot lately. First of all, Jesus not only will reign, but He is reigning now. Read the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, and it declares it unequivocally. And not only that, but He must reign. For how long? Until all enemies are put under His feet. Jesus is reigning right now. All of this trouble, turmoil that's going on around us today, yes, we can be affected by it, we are affected by it, and we will be affected by it as long as we live on this earth. But it doesn't really matter in the final analysis because God brings through Jesus Christ unto everlasting life. And guess what else? Not only is Jesus reigning today, but if you and I are his a part of his body, then we're reigning with him right now. What does it mean to reign? It means to be in control. It means to guide. It means to direct. And you see, all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are what? Yea and Amen. And this is His promise to us. He will not only, He has, let me back it up, He has not only saved us, giving us life in Jesus Christ. But as already has been said, what, twice today? We are kept by the power of God God under salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Dearly beloved, what a blessing you have to be able to rest In God. He is our Savior. I don't get up every day. Wondering. Now what can I do? Or what must I do? To please God? What I do is I get up every morning. Yes, praising God. That he who has called me from the beginning will direct my path and it will be directed in the path of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Rest in God and believe in Him. And it won't matter, you see, whether you do great things for the Lord? No. Or whether you just give a cup of cold water to one of these my servants. You shall not lose your reward. It is God that worketh in you, both to will and to do, of his good pleasure. May God bless you with peace and with rest. Brother Russell.